Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This podcast is brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey. Native Grape Odyssey is an educational project financed by the European Union to promote European wine in Canada, Japan, and Russia. Enjoy. It's from Europe. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Walden. My guest today is Martin Forodori Hofstetter from the J. Hofstetter Winery in Alto Adige in northern Italy. Welcome. Hello, good afternoon. Looking forward to hear you describe the history of your estate. You can go back as far, as far back as you want. My winery is located in the beautiful village Tramin in Italian Termeno, the hometown of the great variety Gewürztraminer. I'm the fourth generation of this winery. The winery itself is approximately 110 years old. And we are also one of the biggest wineries in Alto Adige. But when I say big, it doesn't mean bottles that we do, but uh, vineyard land that we own. So in the family, we have uh, 50 hectares of own vines on seven different estates. And then we buy also grapes from farmers from the village and the surrounding villages. So what are your main markets, if we work back from now, your main markets for these for these grapes, shall we say, for these wines? Approximately 80% of the wines remain in Italy. So we have a very strong uh, sales force from the north up down to, to the south. And yeah, we are happy, very happy about this because uh, it's the market in front of our cellar door so we can keep or we have everything under under control but of course we also sell outside of Italy the main markets are the United States Japan historically Russia UK is uh, waking up for us fortunately again and yeah we look forward to a great UK market in future again we just look forward to a UK I think <laughs> which got in the background of Brexit <laughs> okay let's um, go into the Trentino Alto Adige terroir and particularly where you are um, obviously it's northern Italy but it's very dry isn't it whoa to talk about terroir in Alto Adige in my region this is very difficult it's difficult because uh, to use my words we are a four-dimensional wine growing area. So the first dimension is east and west facing vineyards, huge difference. Then the second one is the different altitudes what we what we have we start to grow grapes at approximately 200 meters over the sea level and we go up a thousand meters over the sea level then to talk about the soils they are different from one side to the valley to the other side of the valley but even on the same side of the valley we have big changes and the fourth dimension to make everything much more complicated is even on the same side of the valley depending where the slope is facing we have a different microclimate so when we talk about the valley we talk about the valley of the river adige is that right? Exactly. This is the southern part uh, of Alto Adige, close to the border to the Trentino, south of the main city, uh, Bolzano. So Bolzano is the main city in the in that valley? Exactly. Not, not only in the valley, it's the main city of the whole Alto Adige region. Okay, so it's called Bolzano in Italian, Italian, and it's called Bozen in... Exactly. In, in German. German, Italian, Austrian, Italian. Yeah. Just, uh, okay, so in terms of trends, you know, we often, or well, we do associate Alto Adige often with variety 
varietal wines. What are the popular varietal wines, or the most popular varietal wines for the Hofstetter winery? First of all, there is to say that in the last 50 years, there was a major change from red varieties to white varieties. So from 80% red and 20% white 50 years ago, now it's 60% white and 40% red. To come to my winery, my leading white variety, how could it be different than Gewürztraminer? Yeah, that's a great pleasure for us to, yeah, to grow Gewürztraminer in the village Tramin. And the other major variety, the red variety, is Pinot Noir. In my family and in my estate, we have a 160-year-old tradition with Pinot Noir because the first owner of the Bartenau estate, which is part of my property, or part of my vineyard, he introduced 160 years ago the Pinot variety there. So it has a long history. So it's not like you just walked up to Burgundy and brought a few vines and stuck them in the ground. It's a long tradition in your area to grow Pinot Noir. Yeah, the tradition goes back to the brother of the Kaiser Franz Josef, which was the emperor, the Austrian emperor. Altoarege was a part of Austria before World War One. And this gentleman was very close to agriculture in general. He lived in the city Merano, which is north of Bolzano. And thanks to him, in a, since yeah, thanks to him, we grow the French varieties in Alto Adige. And because Ludwig Bart von Bartenau, this was the first owner of the Bartenau estate, he was a chemistry professor at the University of Vienna. Probably he had good connection to the royal house, and probably somebody of the royal house introduced him into this fabulous variety, Pinot Noir. So you would class that as a, it's obviously not a native variety, but it's a variety that's traditional, that we can say is traditional now to your region. Absolutely, absolutely, because uh, compared to the rest of Italy, we have a long tradition with Pinot Noir, as we have a long tradition with Merlot, with Cabernet, with Chardonnay, with Chardonnay too. But especially the Pinot Noir, thanks to the fresher climate that we have up in the north, in Alto Adige, the, the results that we get with Pinot Noir are excellent. So is that, are we talking for red wine or also for sparkling wine? No, mostly mostly red. Uh, in Alto Adige, compared to our neighbors Trentino, uh, we don't have that tradition with sparkling wine. So most of the Pinot that is grown in Alto Adige is for red wine production. Okay, and what's a good food match for an Alto Adige Pinot Noir? Pool, locally. De- depending which Pinot. My winery, we produce four different selections. It starts from the easygoing Pinot, the lighter version who was in stainless steel who goes well with white meat with salumi salumi in general with the easy antipasti and then higher we go with the selection let me say mostly with red meat i love it with red meat but also with game and what about gewürztraminer good food matches for that. <laughs> it starts to get a little bit more difficult because uh, Gewürztraminer is a very strong, a very heavy white uh, variety with a, lot of, with a lot of flavor and uh, aroma. I prefer to drink it when I'm at home as an aperitif, but especially, for example, in, when I'm in Asia, I love the, the match with Thai cuisine. Gewürztraminer and Thai cuisine is one of the best matches. So like, it's a spicy food. Exactly, but not too spicy. Yeah, just yeah. a little bit of it. Exactly. Okay. okay, and so that's those two varietals what is what is another varietal that's particularly you're particularly strong in you feel Pinot Bianco is definitely a variety who is back on track 
I say that because starting with the 70s with the 80s the Chardonnay wave started then the Pinot Grigio wave started and yeah we forgot a little bit about our lovely grape variety Pinot Bianco this was like uh, to have in, in front to be in front of a, a wall made out of stones and there was this little flower somewhere and nobody recognized this little flower but now Pinot Bianco is definitely yeah as I said back on track and the variety uh, which the consumers love. Pinot Bianco is that a little bit spicy in your region or not? No absolutely not this is the the little I think I can say this is the little brother of the Chardonnay and the little brother of the, the Pinot Grigio is the more mineral is the more fragile variety. It's, more, tra- it's more transparent isn't it? It is uh, very fragile and uh, yeah but the deepness the mineral reality of the Pinot Bianco uh, is unique. A Chardonnay and the Pinot Grigio, they are more like big opera singers. But the Pinot Bianco is a little bit the shy brother. Okay, and a food match for uh, Pinot Bianco? Pinot Bianco as aperitif, of course, and I will match it with, uh, with seafood. Should we move on? What's the next one we can move on to next great variety? It must be the Lagrain. Lagrain is our indigenous uh, hero, let me use this word, a variety who is has his origin in Alto Adige. It's a very deep red colored wine with a lot of tannin, a wine who matches great with, with dark red meat with game beautiful we do in Alto Adige three stylistic of Lagrain the first one are the rosés then the second one are the entry level easy going Lagrain and then to finish the big selection which we age in uh, in Oak Bell which are the aging wines so would the entry level one also Lagrain also be like an aperitivo wine or not no it's a little bit it's a little bit, bit all rounder for antipasti for primi for pasta also for let me say uneasy schnitzel and a classic lagrine is a perfect match next scava scava is another indigenous grape variety scava was the leading variety in alto adige many many decades ago 80 percent of the surface in alto adige vineyard surface in alto adige was covered uh, by the variety scava which is an easygoing wine many consumers say that it is an, a rosé but for us it's uh, it's a red wine unfortunately the scava in the last 30 years went out of fashion because the consumers they were looking for uh, for darker red colored wine the wines with more tannin and Schiava is definitely is definitely the opposite but I love Schiava I think you need to have a certain age to appreciate Schiava because when you are 40 plus and over sometimes you prefer to drink one and more glass of wine than just nip on uh, one glass of wine and this Chiava is the perfect wine where you really can have fun with few glasses of wine. Is it, um, in terms of our potential alcohol level, is it a little bit lower than other reds? So I say like if you grew a Merlot, for example. Absolutely. The Schiava is around 12.5 maximum of 13 of alcohol. And in the past it was even lower, but I think the best alcohol content for a Schiava is 12.5. Is it easy to grow? Yes and no. The Schiava grows at, at best 
best at an altitude of 250 up to a maximum of 400 meters over the sea level but it needs it needs a lot of sun and it needs a lot of heat to ripe uh, completely completely out i don't want to say that it's complicated but it is not easy to so it just needs the right site there doesn't it yeah we grow the scava mostly on the western part of the valley which is the the warmer part it's the morning sun and the hot evening sun yeah, in the right. afternoon sun we grow the pinots okay because, oh, the, because okay. the afternoon sun is the i know it sounds a little bit strange but the afternoon sun and the evening sun is the cooler sun that's interesting that you're quite obviously right i said little no it's, it's great to hear you say that because that's a, a little subtlety that um, i'm sure many listeners will uh, find very interesting yeah. in terms of you know site i mean the region you're in is very mountainous hilly and you started right off at the beginning of the interview talking about the, the sites on on either side of the valley let's dig into that a little bit deeper if i'm coming to your region and i say i want to re- i really want to buy some vines in uh, in your region and um, what advice would you give me invest the money somewhere else because <laughs> the land prices in alto adige are incredibly high i'm a millionaire <laughs> i'm not kidding it's very difficult to find land in in alto adige uh, not only not only for locals or for somebody who comes out of alto adige and even if you are a millionaire it's very difficult to find to find why is it so expensive price. it's expensive because we are in a mountain area the land the quantity of land is that what it is but not very much then not very much so the 5400 hectares of vineyards that we have that's almost it but you have a strong local demand though don't you does mm. that make things slightly easier in the sense that not a, not a, not at all there is not a, a big turnover of vineyard land uh, maybe especially the old farmers um, when nobody from the family wants to go on with that with with that business maybe they maybe they sell but those are very small pieces of land you have to know that the average property of a farmer in vineyard land in Alto Adige is 8,000 square meters less than a hectare yes 0.8 of a hectare less because, yeah, yeah. 0.8 yeah because of the the extreme terrain exactly so when you I mean obviously when you were a boy I imagine you worked in the vineyards what was your favorite job huh my favorite job oh, favorite job because you're, uh, you're, you're a strong lad you're a big you're a big lad okay so there, strong there, strong chap so I'm there, sure they there, gave you the hard there, jobs there is no favorite job in your vineyard you have to do what is to do but uh, I had a lot of fun to to take off the green shoots from the stock so this was when I was a kid my job so water shoots so the non-fruit yeah, bearing exactly, shoots that were just exactly, shading and getting exactly. in the way yeah it's cool they lift them in Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's it's also slightly backbreaking, isn't it? Because you've really got to get down low-ish to make sure you pick pluck the right bit off. Because if you put the wrong bit off, you get sunburned, won't you? This too. But this is more when, uh, let me say, on the higher level of the vine. This is when you, and especially in June, when you clean up the shoots, when you take off the leaves. This is the the more that this is the delicate work. Because also in June, the shoots that remain on the vine are the one that you select for the next winter pruning. So the the work in June is very important. Yeah, you can't make a mistake because you'll affect two years' harvest, exactly. won't you? Exactly, exactly. And anything else we haven't talked about? You'd like to talk about your... I think we should focus or remind a little bit more the microclimatic situation in okay. Alto Adige because if somebody comes to visit Alto Adige and he's on the west side of the valley and when I explain him that the eastern part of the valley is 
the cooler part. He makes big eyes, meaning they want to fool me. It's very close. How could there be that much difference? In terms of numbers, the eastern part compared to the western part in a year has thousands, thousands hours of sun less. This explains a lot. That's a huge quantity of no sun. Exactly. Yeah. So, and this is the reason because on the eastern part we grow Pinot and on the western part, the warmer part, we grow Gewürztraminer. How about tourism in the region? Oh, a lot. Too much? Could be more, but especially in my part of Alto Adige, uh, there is a lot of German, Austrian and Swiss tourism who starts in April until end of October. So there is not a lot of going on in the wintertime. So actually there is nothing going on in the wintertime because the tourists are moving in the Dolomites where, where, they, can, uh, where they can ski. But from April to uh, October, uh, the villages are quite packed and uh, yeah, we are very happy about this. There is also to say, thanks to the tourism, 50% of the Alto Adige production is consumed in Alto Adige. Does that help? And so I imagine where you are, it's very labor intensive, there, as you said earlier on. So you actually have to physically, you have to pay people to do jobs uh, that are very time consuming. Does that cash flow help? you fund that sort of hand-grown aspect of wine growing where you are? We try to mechanize as much of, as possible. The problem is less the people that you have to pay, but the main problem is from year to year, much more difficult to get people who want to work in the vineyard. More you mechanize, better it is. And for the moment, most of the handwork is done by people who come from Poland, for example, from Romania, and from Czechoslovakia, for example. But they're happy, I, mean, I suppose they're happy to, to have the work. Absolutely, and uh, we have now for years the same, the same group of people who work in the vineyard. And uh, this is positive uh, for the vine and for the quality of the wine too, because those people, they know their job and they know exactly what they have to do. Are they, I mean, are they welcomed when they come? And we have, I don't want to go on about politics at all, but Europe at the moment is in quite a funny place, shall we say, in my country, the nation, Great Britain, voted for Brexit. They, so they are the ease of, ease of movement of, of should we say, non-EU workers could be compromised. And obviously... Um, no, fortunately, uh, those are EU, European community workers, so okay. all, the, all the paperwork is it's easy, easy. Is, yeah. is quite easy it's, uh, it's the same let me say it's the same paperwork as uh, if you uh, hire Italian Italian people and of course they are welcome and we're very happy that they come to work to Alto Adige who is the next generation in your family to take over the family estate Huh. Probably my son is studying enology. It looks like that my little daughter is interested too. I think that both together they will be a good team, a good fifth generation of the winery. And their names? It's Niklas and Emma. Great. I want to say thanks to my guest today, Martin Forodori Hofstetter from the J. Hofstetter Winery in Altavadije, particularly for explaining those key differences in the in the way of looking at Alto Adige, west side or east side. For me, if you that's absolutely fundamental. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, come to visit me in the winery and uh, everybody's welcome, of course. Thank you very much. It's been great to meet you. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey, discovering the true essence of high quality wine from Europe. Find out more on nativegrapeodyssey.eu. Enjoy. It's from Europe. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 